Welcome back to the Locks on Diamondbacks podcast, a part of the Locks on Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show. We got a jam-packed pod. As always, we got Ben Kaspik of Locked On Giants on the podcast. We're discussing his feelings after that loss to the Dodgers, the Wilma Flores call. This is time for electronic umps, playoff reseeding. So we got a whole bunch to talk about on today's pod. But first, this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Please go visit rockauto.com because their prices are always reliably low. They have amazing selection. And they have all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them locked on sent you. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, which is look up locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And as always, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you. The D-Backs podcast is free and available on all platforms. So please continue to subscribe, share, and review. And once again, thank you. Now let's get into the podcast with Ben Caspic of Locked on Giants. Daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Locked On listeners, we got the main man of the hour. You guys already know who it is. You've heard him on this pod multiple times, but now it's his turn for a little therapy session. We did this with Yuli Sembrano of Locked On Rays last week. But now it's time for Ben Caspic of Locked On Giants to sit in the chair. Ben, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing better. I, uh, you know, it was a difficult last week. The Giants getting eliminated at the hands of their rivals. And I think we probably share a common enemy a little bit uh, in the Los Angeles Dodgers, who apparently like to go swimming at. Uh, Chase Field, which we all know they, uh, you know, that was a little bit controversial at the time. But anyway, they eliminate my Giants in five games in the ninth inning, one run game. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing a little better now than I was uh, last week. Yeah, what were your emotions last week then? Uh, not just after the Wilmer, Flore, Wilmer Flores at-bat, which we'll talk about later, but just overall from the whole series, winning over 100 games and then having to face another 100-win team and going down to probably the biggest NL enemy to all the teams in the National League. How were you feeling immediately after that game? It's hard to describe. I mean, all day I was super anxious. I think that mm-hmm. was probably a common theme among Giants fans just because we know how good that Dodgers team is. And to be in that situation where you win and you, you're moving on to the NLCS, you lose and your season's over, it was the first time all season the Giants were facing elimination. So it was kind of a fresh feeling. And, you know, the Giants hadn't been in the playoffs in five years. So so it was a really fresh feeling to be eliminated potentially from the postseason for the first time since they were eliminated by the Cubs in 2016. So right when it ended, I was just kind of exasperated, I guess I would say, 
Um, you know, Wilmer Flores, well, I know we'll talk about it more, but my immediate thought was, okay, he didn't swing. So I was just like, you know, cause I, I've, I've had a long thing going with the umpires in the series cause the strike zone yeah. uh, wasn't great. The whole playoffs has been terrible with the strike. Yeah. And the umpires they assigned to the Giants and Dodgers series were not, you know, we had Angel Hernandez. We had um, some some umpires with bad reputations in this series. So anyway, I was just flabbergasted and exasperated by the call, but also like acknowledging the likelihood of getting a run or two against Max Scherzer in that situation wasn't great at that point anyway. So it was like, it just kind of was deflating, I guess is kind of the way I would describe it. Yeah, would you say since the loss came at the hands of the Giants, do you think it hurts more that the fact that it was the NL West division rival, biggest rival in the conference, Giants, or excuse me, Dodgers, or do you think if you took this loss against the Braves or the Brewers, it would hurt just the same? I think it hurt a little bit more. Seeing, you know, knowing that they – seeing them celebrate on your field – yeah. You know, there's a lot of history between these two teams going back to the 1880s. Uh, so, you know, I've always grown way up back. way back. Like you just always hate the Dodgers. And, I, you know, I respect their talent and they, you know, they've got some likable players, but still just something about that team. You just you just don't like them. And so, yeah, to lose to them and to have held them off all season, you know, to to have edged them out in the division to have made them have to play in the wild card game and then to go up two to one and then to lose. Yeah. It, it hurt something different, but at the same time, there's other emotions like, you know, it's not really fair. And I said this before the series started that the two best teams in baseball had to play each other in the first round. I think there's something wrong with that. I'm not using it as an excuse, but it, you know, it felt like it should have been an NLCS as opposed to the division series. Well, I was going to ask you about that later, but let's bring it up now. These were the two best teams in the National League, and there's a lot of controversy, a lot of discussion. Should these two teams have faced each other in the divisional series? So do you believe baseball should reseed? What do you think the playoff format should be? Because for me, I don't mind seeing the Dodgers in a one-game wildcard race. If you don't win your division, I think that should be the punishment for not doing it. But after the wildcard race, I'm okay reseeding after that so we get the best possible matchup potentially in the championship series. I don't care if it's 200 win teams in the wild card race, but after that, I do believe we should reseed. And I'm also open to the discussion of maybe making the wild card race a best of three and just instead of doing the one game wild card uh, the way it is now. Because in case we do get that Dodgers Cardinals matchup again uh, and the Dodgers lose, at least they could. At least they have to lose two games instead of just losing one. So right now, I'm okay with not receding, or I want to recede after the wild card race. I'm okay with not receding during the wild card round. I think that would be an improvement. Everything you said would be an improvement over the current system. But I personally go a step further, and I just mm-hmm. want like to me, it doesn't really make sense that you win 106 games as the Dodgers did. And they have to play in the wild card game. The Braves win 88 and they get a division series automatically. That's a lot more wins. And yeah, it's like lot. it just has to do with who else is in your division. And, and in a given year, sometimes, I mean, who saw the Giants winning 107 games? Certainly nobody. Right. Like I thought they would be better than people thought, but I didn't I didn't think they were going to win 107. So to me, 
I'd have to think a little bit more about this, but my inclination is has always been to just seed the teams initially. And so in this case, you would have had the Braves and the Cardinals as the wildcard teams. And I, I go even further. I've got all these crazy ideas. I don't like having the divisions, period. And I don't mm-hmm. like that we have to face the, you know, each other in the in the each division so many times and only face the other teams uh, in two series a year in your league. I'd rather try to balance the schedule more and have you have National League teams play each other more of an equal amount of times. That's a travel concern. And the solution that I have for that is longer series. You play five game series, so you're not traveling so often. And you play each team in your league five times at home, five times on the road. That's 10 games against each team. There's 14 other teams in the National League. So that's 140 games right there. And then you can kind of figure out the rest with some interleague, maybe play your rival a little bit more, something like that. You've got 140 right there. To me, you're most of the way there. And and, and then because it's a balanced schedule, it's completely fair. And then you just seed the teams for me and kind of get rid of the whole division thing altogether. That's a radical idea, but I, to me, it's the most fair. And I'm all about what's the most fair. That's kind of how I feel about it. Ben and I will continue our conversation about the end of the Giants season, but this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now possible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will never need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast. Yeah, I don't think it's radical because basketball kind of did that a few years ago. It used to be the top division winners automatically got home court advantage, and then they changed it where they just reseeded by record. And I would be okay with doing that in baseball too, but then I think you have to go with what you were saying as well and basically disband divisions because right now with the schedule it's set up, you're playing your own division basically 20 times in the season. So if you were to reseed based off record and still keep the divisions and how the schedule is now, it just wouldn't be fair. So I would agree with you that we have to disband divisions entirely and even out the schedule. I mean, if we're playing 162 games, there's no reason why we can't have, why, why, why we shouldn't be playing every team in baseball. And I don't even think you have to make the series longer. I don't even think it would be a travel issue because in basketball, they do back-to-back games or they're playing in Utah one night and then traveling to Denver to play another game the next night. These baseball players, they're already doing series for three games. They're already staying in a city up to three three days, maybe four days. So I don't even think travel would really be that big of an issue because they're already in a city multiple days as opposed to the NBA where they might travel to two different cities and back-to-back nights. So I would actually agree if we were to reseed 
MLB entirely, then just get rid of the divisions because there's already too much emphasis on it. And let's just go with the best record when we get to the playoffs. I'm absolutely fine with that. I don't think it would be an issue uh, at all. And I want to get back to this series here with the Giants and Dodgers. And I, I guess we could talk about the call now, the Wilma Flores call, because obviously it was controversial. I don't think anyone considered it a strike. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things where it can't really be reviewed because it's up to the umpire's discretion. Like we, we can tell whether he was going to swing or not, but the umpire says he was swinging for it. He was swinging at it and it's a strike. So do you think first that call should be reviewable? Like, do you think there should be a set standard for how we look at a check swing? Because right now it just basically whatever the umpire is feeling in that moment. And also do you think that call changed the series or do you think the Giants still might lose no matter what that call is right there? Well, I think they're still likely to lose mm -hmm. because there's two outs and it would have been if they called it a non-swing, it would have been a one-two count uh, righty on righty. So a tough matchup for Wilmer. I think he never had a hit in his career against Scherzer and you're in a one-two count. You know, you're very likely to lose that game anyway. But the point is, you know, the Diamondbacks and, you know, fans saw this. Wilmer Flores has power and, you know, he, he's one swing away from winning the game. And so to take the bat out of his hands on even if it, he, even if he went and it was just like barely, I still don't want to see an umpire's judgment on that kind of call and a series like this and a season like this. That's the thing you play 162 games, there's spring training, there's the postseason. you get to this point and that's how it ends. It's just really, you know, it's just a, a not a great way to end it. And for me, yeah, again, it would be an improvement to be able to review it but i would go again a step further i think that the the best solution for me on check swings is i don't like them at all and i to me it's like i want to say unless it's completely obvious that you swung the bat just call it a ball like if they're trying to hold up just call it a ball we've got enough strikeouts in the game already do we need more strikeouts? Like it would be one way to cut back a little bit on strikeouts. They're not trying to swing. Like sometimes they go around and they have these awkward swings where they like break down, but they clearly went to me. It's got to be like you put some language in there, like clear and obvious swing. And then it, it's hard to review something like that because it is a judgment call. Yeah. So I don't know how much replay would help, but you know, maybe just let the umpire look at it and decide if they want to change their mind. Anything better. It's so hard. Like we get the benefit of slow motion and all that and multiple camera angles in real time. It's tough to see and they don't get a replay. And so I don't really blame the umpire, but it's more just like I don't I don't want them to have that power to to because they get it wrong all the time. We see it every single night. It's like what he he called that a non swing. What he called that a swing. So just get rid of it. No more check swings. It's all balls unless you swing the bat fully. That's my thought. Yeah, I think the rule part would be the hardest to decide because it's impossible to like judiate the what is a swing and what isn't a swing because sometimes the player wants to go, they think it's a strike, and then by the time they're done you know, trying to hold up, the bat has already gone 80% of the way. So it is so tough to decide in those situations. And you don't want to turn it to the end of a basketball game where it seems like they're reviewing every single stoppage of play during the last two minutes. It, 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 the check swing has to be the most 
the, the toughest thing to maybe call, especially at the end of a close playoff game. So it's probably better if the umpire just called it a ball and just kept chugging along. But I guess the Dodgers fans would be upset at that moment if they called it a ball, even if uh, the batter didn't swing. But overall, just to the further the point of getting the umpire out the game during these playoff rounds, uh, is it time for electronic umps? Because I feel like the strike zone has been all over the place, these MLB playoffs. I mean, I feel like it's been a pretty wide strike zone mostly. I guess they're you know, consistent with how wide they've been calling it. But is it time to bring the electronic umps in? Because I, I feel like these strike zone calls have been all over the place. You will hear Ben's answer to that question, but BetOnline is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the podcast. But first, I need to thank you once again. Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you for listening. So thank you, everyone who tunes in. But that's enough compliments. Let's now get back to the podcast with Ben Caspic. Yes, absolutely. 100% unequivocally, yes. Because, again, it's a hard job. The computer does it better. You know, the radar does it better than a human with a mask on standing behind two bodies not centered on the plate of it's impossible like these people the the umpires are are the best in the world you know maybe there's better some better umpires in the minor league somewhere you know but they're among the very best in the world at this and they they fail consistently because of how difficult it is to to make those calls and i just want consistency i just want consistency and if the players if there was a consistent zone i just think it would be a much better product especially now that all the broadcasts are able to like you know put the box on the screen all the time so you constantly see the mistakes they make and then you've got these umpire scorecards on twitter every day that people are circulating so the that's I've been saying it's been time for years, but especially now when everybody constantly sees the the incorrect calls in real time, it's just it becomes kind of even more urgent uh, to me that they they just get the calls consistently right. And then they have that 3D view now after the pitch where they'll show you exactly where it passes through the strike zone, the trajectory it was. Like, we know exactly how these pitches have been thrown and where it was and if it was a strike or not. I was listening to the R2C2 podcast, the CC and Ron Rucco podcast. They were like, look, you can still have the home plate umpire there. Just put an IFB in his ear and whenever it's a ball strike, someone in New York just tells them that. It's not like they have to sit there and decide for themselves 
these pitchers are coming in 100 miles an hour, more break than ever before. Like, it's tough for these umpires to get the call right. So let's stop making all these mistakes and let's just bring the electronic umps in because it'll probably make the game quicker. There'll be less arguing. There'll be less just little moments throughout the game. Like, the, I think the, the pace of it, the efficiency, and you'll get the calls right. Like, there won't be as many angry fan bases with a strike <laughs> or a ball just because finally we'll have the correct call. So let's bring the electronic umps in. But... When you look at this series, obviously the check swing call was the final nail in the coffin to the series. But overall, what do you point to as the main reason for the Giants losing this series? Do you say the lack of clutch offense? Because that seems like probably the focus point for me as to why I would say the Giants weren't able to come through against the Dodgers. Yeah, the Giants ended up scoring 10 runs in five games. So, you know, obviously the math there is two runs a game and they scored four in the first game. So they only scored six runs in the final four games of the series. So just over a run per game. How are you going to win like that? It's almost impossible. The only way they won another game in the series was because they won one to nothing uh, in game three. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, the Giants hit... 182 with a 211 on base and 302 slugging in the series strikeout rate was 30 percent walk rate was just four percent so the offensive numbers were not pretty they you know they hit some home runs in game one in the games they won they hit at least one homer they hit at least they hit one homer in game five but it was their only run so i'm not going to I'm not going to say they were too reliant on home runs. That's something that gets thrown out there a lot. And I completely disagree with that. In fact, teams to out homer their opponent are, they were undefeated by the time the giants played that game five, but I'm pretty sure the Dodgers did not homer in game five. And so that would have been the first time that that wasn't true, but yeah, they just didn't hit like those numbers. I gave you 182 average 211 on base it's just not cutting it and a lot of that had to do with the Dodgers like you've got to give them credit for the pitchers they're able to throw out there and they made really good defensive plays they were they were positioned really well sometimes you would hit a ball well and there would just be somebody standing there in kind of an unusual spot Uh, I want to go to Brandon Crawford leading off the ninth inning against Max Scherzer he had kind of a low line drive down the left field line and Chris Taylor was just standing right there and so the Dodgers are smart and they know where to put their people and they also pitch the hell out of the ball and they play good defense. So they're tough to score against. Um, you know, the Braves have gotten to them a little bit so far in their series. But yeah, it was it was tough to get anything going offensively. And that's a, that's a, one other thing is like, I think people who didn't pay much attention to the Giants this year would watch that series and think, well, they just don't hit enough. But they hit a ton in the regular season. They were a run scoring team and they hit a they had a franchise record in home runs. Lots of offense, but not in that series. That's it for this edition of the Lock on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's edition of the D-backs podcast. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day because this possible is not possible without you, the listener. And coming up on tomorrow's podcast, we got part two with Ben Caspic of Lockdown Giants where we're discussing more about the series. Was it the Giants' inability to come through or is it more the Dodgers pitching? We talk about the offseason. Are they going to bring Chris Bryant back? What kind of money is Logan Webb going to get? So we discuss all that on tomorrow's pod. But now make your second listen, Lockdown MLB. 
Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available on all platforms, so please check it out. Or just come back tomorrow for the best Dimebacks news, coverage, and insight. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!